WMNF Tampa. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I said it's all right. Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Today's guest is Senior Vice President of Conservation for the Florida Aquarium, Dr. Debbie Luke. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the... What am I today, Kenny? The goal-achieving goal Annie <laughs> Ellis. All right! So stay tuned as we promote a balance of people, profit, and planet. Now, speaking yes. about our goal, yes. we have an announcement for the first time in a year and a half history. We have reached our goal. We have surpassed our goal. We had a goal of $1,500, and as of today, uh, I can easily say we, we made $1,783.42. This is our first Ooh. time we've ever done this. Yay. We can stay on the air for another four months. <laughs> <laughs> Without sweating it. <laughs> We're so happy, and I wanted to thank some people, too. Uh, my friend Peggy from St. Louis, she sent uh, in uh, $126 uh, for a T-shirt. Shirt. And then we also got uh, Rick Martinez, who started the Sweetwater Farm, uh, the uh, community organic farm. He sent in $200 uh, for the T-shirt and the ball cap. And then uh, we also got an anonymous for uh, $105. And then we got... Um, Another anonymous boy that I like that anonymous family. Uh, they they sent in a hundred dollars and they got a ball cap. Uh, and then we got David Perky and uh, he pledged two hundred dollars. And we don't have a specific uh, a gift that he got, but he you thank, don't you don't need a gift. Sometimes no, you don't. people just donate you directly to the station. The gift is giving. It is. It really is. And you know, you, I did. I donated a hundred bucks. I didn't take a gift. I don't need a t-shirt. I don't wear t-shirts. Quite honestly, to be quite honest, uh, she or, is shirtless most days. I, <laughs> that's right. I just wear a belt most of the time. <laughs> a naturalist. I have some aprons that I like. That too, so, <laughs> so there's that. But so yeah, thank you, everyone yes, who donated. Thank you so much. We really, really can't do it without you. And it is your station, by the way. And, so. and we're humble. And Bill, Mr. Bill Grace is in the studio, and all three of us are humble volunteers. That's right. But we do need funds to keep the station running, so thank you so much. Yes. And by the way, we do have another humble volunteer on the phone lines, which we would like to say don't call in because they're broken. <laughs> uh, so whenever you do... So uh, for today's show, we're going to be recommending that you text us or send us an email because the phone system is a little off whack. Just... Yeah, Today. it'll be it'll be fixed probably at the end of our show. <laughs> I don't doubt it. But uh, yeah, other than that, uh, so uh, how's it going, Kenny? Something happening with you? Yeah, so the three of us are volunteers, and speaking of volunteers, I have two unpaid interns working at my homestead right now. Are your parents in town? Yes, they are. <laughs> They're good workers, too. <laughs> and they are helping me prepare for the spring season with all my plants. That's so and much. Uh, about a month ago, I garbage picked two rain barrels. 
Oh, good for you. They had I love the reduced reuse. They had they didn't have the faucets at the bottom. Yeah. And then they connected in the middle. Oh, nice. And that was broken too. So my father helped and by help, I mean he did it all by himself. He installed <laughs> rain barrel. He, bar- he did rain barrel number seven and eight. So oh now I have gosh. eight. 50-gallon rain barrels on the property. Oh, that's fantastic. And just so y'all know, you have to use a rainwater or what other kind of water? Uh, distilled, water distilled water or reverse osmosis water for carnivorous plants. And if you use the other kinds of water, that might be why your carnivorous plants are dying because uh, that is what will do it every time. So uh, that's really fantastic. They really need pure water. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, um, you know, I don't... Rainwater's free. It's yeah. good. And what, you get that from your roof. What type of roof do you have? Seven of the barrels. It comes off a metal roof. Oh, and good. And one okay. of them comes off my one or two-year-old shingled roof. But I have a water meter. And it tells you what's what I'm with testing it. for. It's definitely safe enough for the kind of Yeah, because plants. the point is, the reason why I say that is that it is actually recommended to not use that uh, off, off the, the shingles, shingles yeah. uh, water for your edibles, for sure. Uh, so uh, I would think the carnivorous plants are very sensitive on that note. So that, that's very good. That's wonderful news. Yeah. Super good. Now we just need a ring. Yeah, exactly. I know I've been watering. I'm going to go, I'm going to go visit Tanya. I'm going to go visit Tanya and her family who used to, Tanya used to do this show in uh, Virginia. And uh, so I'm getting someone, I'm getting actually Kitty Wallace, who <laughs> couldn't get a better waterer. She's the president, uh, <laughs> or one of the presidents of the uh, Coalition of Community Gardens. And so she's going to come and water my plants, which I'm pretty happy about. And I'm going to pay her and she's going to donate that money back to the gardens. Very good. Which is very good. I want to also tell you something that happened today. I had, I have, uh, my house is 100 years old, and my uh, my toilet and my sink and my uh, they're all 100 years old, which I love. Uh, I think it, it lends. I don't. I think it lends to the house to keep the style, at least, of the the original. And so, I have a wonderful plumber. And I do a lot. I used to do a lot of work on it myself till I found this great plumber, and he does work. So he came over to to do a little something something, and um, he. I just want to let y'all know, I've had a giant uh, liter bottle. Uh, I think it's a ginger ale or 7-Up. I can't tell because it's, all the words are gone now. In there for over 20 years. And he took it out because he changed the system to where it's only going to fill half the way full, which is what this was dispersing the amount of water. So I didn't overuse water. So it's been in my in water with water in it for I would say probably more like 25 years and it no decomposition. So that's plastic for you, y'all. I just experienced mm-hmm. it myself and I, you know, I don't use plastic, but that was something I did a long, long yeah. time ago. And uh, so that'll tell you something. And speaking of plastic I know, and water. She's going to be on. Well, no, today. Oh, I know. <laughs> today. She's going to yes. be talking about that, we have which I thought was perfect. Dr. Debbie Luke. She joined the Florida Aquarium as the Senior Vice President of Conservation in January 2020 and has over 25 years of marine and environmental conservation leadership experience. That's impressive. Welcome to the program, Debbie. Hey, Debbie. Hi, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. We're excited to have you. So you serve as the Senior Vice President of Conservation at the Florida Aquarium, which is downtown Tampa. And can you tell us how sustainability is related to conservation? 
Mm, absolutely. So depends on your definition of sustainability, right? So most people think of business operations as sustainable practices in there. Um, but I think it's more than that. I think we have to think about interweaving the balance between people on our planet, businesses there, as well as um, the planet itself. You know, back in what 1900, there were about 2 billion people on the planet. Um, currently, we're at 8 billion, and by 2050, we're projected to reach about 9.7 billion people on this planet. That's so insane. that's a lot of resources. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, but we are, as humans, we're consumers, right? We, we need things. We need essential things like food, water, air, shelter. But we also have a lot of secondary comfort needs that we all like. I like to travel. Um you know, we like to drive our cars to and from work. We have to do lots of things. Some of us have houses and we like nice yards and all of that. So we're consumers at the end of the day. And I think all of those things obviously require the securement and utilization of our planet's natural resources. So when you combine that consumption level with what we have to obtain to meet those essential and those secondary needs, well, you have a basic model of input, process, and output. Whatever <laughs> whatever we are consuming, it needs to be processed in from a physiology standpoint. You can make this example of, you know, you consume food, you process it in your body, and then you excrete it afterwards. And we produce this waste and this amount of waste that we are not balancing with the amount of consumption that we have. And to me, sustainability is how do you put all that back into balance um, so that we're all able to manage in a way that is sustainable for us as well as the planet and nature and, and everything that goes with that. So what do you think that that means? I mean, uh, I have some real big, strong ideas on that, uh, on how <laughs> to reuse our waste uh, and, mm -hmm. and reduce the amount of waste we do, first off, all right? R refuse to participate in that loop. Uh, reduce the amount of products and whatever services that you use. And then reuse the things that is the... Uh, you know the byproduct of of using something else. So, mm -hmm. what what are your ideas as a professional on how that is managed? I think it's all of those things. I think you're right on. I mean, it it is. We've heard those sayings for a long time. The three R's, right? Reduce, reuse, recycle, Re and re refuse. Now is the first. And one. refuse is added the in first. there. Absolutely. Uh -huh. Yep. Yep. And and you think of that with straws. I, th I think that's a a common topic that we've. We've heard a lot. Um, there was a picture of a sea turtle with a straw in its in its nose, yeah. part of ocean pollution, and that really hit home for people. Um, and so there has been a pretty big demand on reduce or refuse the straw. But how do we take that to that next level? How do we impact people? And I think you know what you're doing with the media and awareness building is critical. I think we're all intertwined on how do we advance that. People don't feel connected. To nature, and I think you know one of the themes we have here at the Florida Aquarium is connectedness itself. We are all connected to nature, um, but I don't think we message that the right way, and we don't tell people how they're connected. Everybody's busy with their daily lives, and you forget about things. Yeah, you know, when someone uh, offers me water, uh, I if it's in a plastic bottle, I just refuse it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that is a number one thing is that we, 
you know, need to really participate in it strongly like that. And so, like, if somebody asked me if I want water, and I said, well, do you have a glass? And, you know, can we pour water into a glass? Mm-hmm. And uh, because I filter my water in my refrigerator, and so I am able to offer filtered water. Um, so, I, you know, it just doesn't even... When I see a, a place that's into conservation and offering lots of plastics, it uh, it seems very contradictory to me. I don't understand it one iota. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, I, you know, I'm not going to call you out on that, but I'm sure that that they're selling a lot of plastics at the aquarium. I doubt doubt very seriously if they're using recycled stuff. Are they? Well, are they? You know what? That's interesting. So um, we are. We have some pretty lofty goals on what we're going to do. We have a business sustainability plan, a blue uh-huh. team, and we have some pretty lofty goals. We're going to be single-use plastic bottle-free by the end of this year. Oh, but thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good for you. That's yeah, wonderful. We're taking a lot of steps to move forward with our sustainable practices, and we're trying to set an example for channel district and what we can do here. I was just going to say that is like a the ability for you to be able to do that in such a large facility yep. and coming in contact with so many people is an incredible example about how it can be done and so so many others can mimic that. I just Absolutely. Congratulations. I'm very happy to to hear that. I, I hope it uh, goes that way, and maybe we can hear back from you at the end of the year and see what goals were met and what were being done to meet the ones that weren't. That'd That's be right. Great. Yep. That'd Happy. Be great. Yeah. <laughs> I just pointed Kenny. It's his turn. I've been hogging the mic. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm not looking at Annie. <laughs> so, Debbie, most people interpret the idea of conservation as efforts directly related toward the saving of a species or a habitat but you see that it's ultimately, we also have to balance the people, like you mentioned, homo sapiens. So can you help us understand the connection between humans, which is an animal, and then the rest of the planet? (laughs) And I think what you just said is important, right? Humans are animals. We're all part of one big planetary ecosystem. And again, we're high functioning. We have big brains. We think a lot, you know, so we sometimes think that we're not part of all of that. What I would say is that our well-being, human well-being, is directly connected to the condition of nature, period. It is. Drop the mic right there. It is, yes. Scientists use the phrase, we've probably heard of symbiosis or mutualism um, to describe an association between two types of species or organisms that are very different and require different things. But because of their relationship together, they're mutually beneficial to each other. Um, And I think that humans and nature have that mutualistic symbiotic relationship. Fantastic. (laughs) That's um, fantastic. Yeah, um, absolutely. So um, let's reintroduce our guests because we have a couple of emails and we want other people to be involved in the conversation. That's a great idea. But usually, Debbie, people call in. But yeah. today we're having a little bit of phone trouble. So you're listening <laughs> no to The Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today we are interviewing the Senior Vice President of Conservation of the Florida Aquarium, Dr. Debbie Luke. To be part of the conversation, you can text us at 813 433 
Or you can email us, and you all know the email, dj at wmnf.org, and we will read it on air. Now we have a note from Rob H., and he says, thank your guest immensely for that goal about reducing the plastic. I'm in love with that. And then we have a semi-unrelated note, but I will answer it. Um, It's from an anonymous person. It says, can you water your carnivorous plants with well water put through a Berkeley Berkey filter? And the answer is probably not because Berkey filters keep some of those total dissolved solids, TDS, in the water for human consumption. And carnivorous plants really want 50 parts per million of total dissolved solids or less. But now we will go back to Dr. <laughs> Just for the tip of the day. <laughs> yeah. Now we'll go back to Dr. Debbie. <laughs> it's All like right. a little commercial. That was, inter- wasn't there. <laughs> Carnivorous commercials. They Here asked so, and I knew that answer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Debbie, we know that many companies, businesses provide products that are harmful to our environment, just like we were talking about either through the products themselves, like plastics, or through their production. And uh, I think Ellen DeGeneres has the joke from a long, long, like 20 years ago. She says, to open a package of scissors, you need scissors. (laughs) Because it's just in that thick, thick plastic. And then to open a uh, light bulb, it's in that very thin, thin piece of cardboard. And they're like, oh, the... And as soon as you drop it, it's broken. (laughs) Yeah, the light bulbs. All right, so, Debbie, are there... Are they, are they our big bad enemy and what can we be done to address them for companies who are selling things in your know, thick plastic? Well, and also I wanted to throw in there about the energy consumption or, or, you know, are there some goals to reduce that or to alter, say, with solar? So just mm-hmm. throwing that out there. Yeah, no, I, those are all excellent questions. You know, it goes back to the previous question about conservation. And to me, healthy habitats equals healthy humans in that we need to we need to make sure that we recognize that we ourselves are part of nature, not apart from nature. Oh, and good, that's just good call. a statement that if you can live by that, if you remember that, then it, it, I think it helps with some of those thoughts and how to do that. And if we safeguard wildlife, basically we're safeguarding ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have the ability to build our own positive future moving forward. And I think a lot of people don't feel that way and businesses too. And so we go back to that original question of the balance, right? Between people, earth and um, profit in some ways. And the answer to that was that we're all consumers for essential needs and non-essential needs. And so the businesses that are out there provide, it's, I mean, it's basic economics, right? It is supply and demand. So if we desire energy to run our house, to have you know air conditioners here in Florida or heaters up in the winter or whatever we need, we need that energy. We need fuel to drive our vehicles. We need fuel to go on airplanes and travel. We are consumers and if there is a demand, there's going to be a company that pops up to supply it. Mm-hmm. So to me, you know, I don't think it's right to blame big bad companies. I don't think it's right to um, say that they're the end all bad side of it because we are the consumers demanding it. However, with that, as as we evolve, as the planet changes and adapts and evolves, we need to work with those companies that are striving to raise the bar, raise the standards on how they produce. I mean, you mentioned, you know, the aquarium with plastics. You're right. We all we all do things in our lives that we can change and be better, but we're not perfect. 
and neither are those companies and corporations. But if you can partner with a corporation um, that is trying to do better, then that's where we should go because we should be helping to elevate them with what they're doing so that they can influence others to can do the same thing. That's, that's a really positive way of saying instead of uh, attacking, instead of attacking the ones mm-hmm. that we don't like to uplift the ones that we do. That's, that's right. That seems like a much better philosophy just across the board uh, that'll gain better because, you know, in def- uh, when, when people are attacked, they defend harder. And so, you know, having that note with the companies, they would certainly, you know, lawyer up <laughs> and, uh, and, and do the best they can to keep doing what they're doing and do more of it, you know, if it's a profitable situation for them. Uh, but, you know, because supporting companies that are doing well, I mean, that's that's the whole key. Like, I don't support I don't go to certain mm-hmm. stores. Uh, I was, I was watching Stephen Colbert last week, and he was saying that he's from South Carolina, pretty uh-huh. red state, and they're like, let's keep those coal miners in the mines and yeah, you know sad. keep doing coal. But when you fly in and out, he was saying that every business and every house has solar panels because even those people who are saying, like, let's stay with coal, see that green energy is the future, and if they can make money on that now they're going to keep spreading that well, that business which is really interesting because then if they were uh training those people that yeah. did mm-hmm. that other work into that other field that is more sustainable that would be the solution instead right. of just digging your heels in and staying where you stay i mean we you know we they laughed at the wright brothers on uh, flying uh, you know it, if we didn't look at everything uh, that's a new thing as just you know, if we looked at it as being crazy and bad, we wouldn't progress at all, ever. You know? That's right. So That's we, right. we have a couple of uh, messages. One is from Charlton Huston. No, it's not. <laughs> Charlton Huston says, it's people, in quotes. And then the text message says, solvent green is the ultimate primer on overpopulation. And solvent green is a 1973 American ecological dystopia film. Yeah. You ever seen it, Danny? Yeah. Back in the day. Was it scary? Uh, well, no, because it's kind of real. <laughs> That's really what it is. A lot of those films back in the day are more like you go, oh, yeah, this is really happening now. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, we have another message. And this person says, hi, I am Roki from Chicago. Thanks, Dr. Luke, for an incredibly inspiring to hear what the Florida Aquarium is doing. What do I do to start to bring that sensibility to my company that I work with? How do you change people to act? So that's a great question. So, uh, Dr. Debbie Luke, what if you're in a business, how can you use facts to leverage the business to be more sustainable or conservation minded? Yeah, that, that's a fabulous question. And, it, you know, it's changing a culture, right? I think it's it's hard to um, steer a big ship that's been going in one direction for a while. And yeah, people, as well as businesses, I think oftentimes don't feel like there is a solution or perhaps their little efforts won't matter. Um, and that is, to me, that's completely wrong. Um, it's collaborative conservation that is going to solve the big problems that we have. Our problems are way too big nowadays um, to be doing things alone. So it can't be just one organization, one um, company. It's going to be collaborative. So I would say, you know, for your company that you're looking for is to look inside and, and just do an assessment of what you're already doing. 
Um, it's the same thing with people. What are you doing individually? Yeah, you, you made a great point about your water bottles and not using water bottles um, or straws. Um, what is your company already doing? What can it do? Which steps can you take, which are low hanging fruits to start changing um, your sustainable business operations? Um, and it starts, I think, with the attitude, with the perception, with your team of um, what they're doing and why they're doing it. And Annie kind of mentioned that she doesn't support certain businesses based on a lot of things, a lot of things. Yeah. But don't you feel like it's just good PR if your business says, Hey, nobody's allowed to have a plastic bottle or nobody's allowed to do X. And then you can start advertising, Hey, our company is going green in this way. And that will bring in a different clientele. You're going to get, you're going to get bad comments from people that don't want to change, Yeah. but you're going to, you're right, Kenny, uh, that is going to open up a whole new avenue of people that will support it. And then they will tell their friends to support mm-hmm. it. So, yeah. So Debbie, we, we have a phone call. Yay. And the we actually have a phone that works. The phones are working. And hello, Steve from Clearwater. And hey, sorry, Steve. Steve, that you've been on hold for so long. I didn't even look at the phones. <laughs> Hi, Steve. I put my sleep. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, good. Did, did you have something to talk about plastic bottles with uh, yeah. Debbie? Okay, sort of two things about it. I think we've sort of gone backwards. I mean, I was somewhere the other day, and they had bottles of water they were handing out. And they were like six-ounce bottles. People took a big swig and threw it in the garbage. Mm-hmm. Why not, instead of trying to get plastic bottles turned into glass bottles, whatever the goal would be for environmentalists, why not just lobby the White House to have the smallest quantity be a gallon bottle and put a 50-cent recyclable like they used to do glass bottles back in the 60s and and then people would pay the 50 cents. Now, they might still throw it away, but some homeless person is going to grab that in a second and go cash it in to get that 50 cents back. I think that would make us go forward instead of backwards because relying on different businesses to go green is great, but that's like only half of them are going to do that. The other half are going to still keep throwing plastic stuff in the garbage and uh, using little tiny water bottles and so forth. Yes. Do you have something to talk about with that? Debbie? Do you have I could input? not hear the question. Oh, so. so basically he was saying, oh, that, so that's part of the phone problem, apparently. Uh, <laughs> so, so what he was saying was that he noticed that, uh, the, that we were going backwards in the plastic use, that he went somewhere instead of the small uh, plastic bottles, they were, be, they were giving out the larger plastic bottles. And he thought that if uh, they reduce the size of the plastic bottles, that uh, perhaps that would reduce our input and that if there was a return... Uh, money return on uh, these plastic things that homeless people or different people would recycle it. So we're, I have an opinion on that, uh, but we're waiting for yours. <laughs> um, so, um, good multifaceted question. Um, I think, you know, just from a surface um, amount of materials, smaller bottles is more material, right? You got more cap, what I think for everything. So bigger is better on that. Um, but I go back to your original point, which is refuse. Um, there are so many containers now that you can use that are reusable um, to fill up your water. There's water stations everywhere you go. Um, we have them at the aquarium. That you can use that. I would say refuse the water bottles. Yeah. You don't need to use them. That's 
that's exactly what I think too is that we are not we can't just sit around waiting for other people to do it and and, and just to be quite honest they don't recycle most things anymore uh, I do the recycling here for the uh, for the WMNF the radio station because I couldn't bear the fact that we weren't and the reason why we weren't is because the the companies don't make money on it anymore so a lot of the stuff just gets burned so if you really want to participate don't participate and just don't get the plastic and I noticed the other day in the the calling center uh, when we were people calling in to donate that almost every person had a reusable water bottle and I was Mm -hmm. so pleased about that Mm -hmm. and I wanted to also say my friend didn't know this but I have a Brita a uh, reusable water bottle that has a tiny filter inside, so you can just put tap water in there, yes. and yeah. and it'll filter it. So yeah. you know, it's a, that that's a doable thing. So, so thank you, Steve. Refrigerators have filtered water dispensers now, and Wait, most businesses Steve, have that. Steve, you you wanted to comment one more thing? Yeah, I was. I wasn't saying go smaller bottles. I was saying if you could lobby the federal government to make the smallest bottle of water sold a gallon bottle, and then if you could even take it farther and say when you buy that gallon of water for two dollars, you got to pay two dollars and fifty cents, fifty cents of it is to return that back to the grocery store, and they send it back to the bottle or push mm-hmm. it out and reuse it like they did glass bottles. Uh, well, they wouldn't be able to reuse it. They would have to melt it down and remake it. Uh, they glass bottles. They washed them out. Right, but they don't do that with plastic. Okay, well then don't use plastic. Then use gallon glass bottles. Thank you. That's yeah. a great solution. I <laughs> so love it. So thank you, Steve. And then uh, we also have an email from Joe in Dover, and he says, "When I used to go to when I used to go to Connecticut when I was a teenager, around seventeen, they had deposit for any type of container, plastic, aluminum, or glass." And I grew up in New York, and New York also has that same setup. When I started recycling here, uh, they did not have any pickups. And uh, I had to, I, I did all my glass and all my papers and everything, and I would take it to the dump, and I had to separate the color of the glass mm-hmm. into each container. So it just depends on what level you are of interest. Yeah. So Debbie, we're not just talking about plastic today on the show, but <laughs> people are passionate. And, and I, you know, too, I, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to hear these phone calls, Kathy. So, or the, we have some two phone calls coming in, but we'll You'll see. You'll have to translate yeah, for me. Yeah, we'll see how we can work it. So Debbie, can you tell us a little bit more about what the Florida Aquarium is doing to address the sustainability of its own business and operations? Absolutely. Well, I just mentioned one of the things. Um, She can hear you. I can hear you. Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) And his mic was off, so there's that. (laughs) I didn't guess that wasn't supposed to happen, but we'll act with it, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So we talked about being plastic, single-use plastic bottle-free by the end of 2023, which we will be doing. Um, But we we built our own business sustainability and operations plan, a three-year plan. Uh, We're in year three of it, and we're going to be building our next one now. We have a very active, what we call a blue team, because we are an aquarium. Um, So we don't have a green team, we have a blue team. (laughs) Um, And they're fabulous. And so we focus on uh, some pretty lofty goals that single-use plastic bottle free is pretty lofty and we're really excited about that. We're also going to be a zero waste facility by 2030 and we are going to be net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2035. So we have plans for all of that. So proud of you. 
Yeah, we're, well, we're excited. Are y'all talking about any kind of solar situation or any energy uh, reproduction? We do. We have solar in our main campus in Tampa. We also have another campus in Apollo Beach, which is where we do um, a lot of our uh, conservation work with oh. corals, our, our groundbreaking coral research, as well as our uh, sea turtle rehabilitation center down there. So we do a lot of work um, with solar and energy reduction there. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it was in two places. I thought it was Aquarium. And that second location, you have a butterfly garden where Anita <laughs> helps maintain oh, it. Oh, right. Me started, do. Yeah, she's our uh, good friend of ours. And when I, I was a, when I was a teacher, uh, we had field trips to that second location for them to explore the ecology and then visit the manatees. Oh, very nice. We do. Very nice. And we focus on like four different major conservation priorities. So generating healthy habitats. We do I a lot of mangrove there. restoration, <laughs> reef work. We um, safeguard imperiled wildlife, just talked about corals and sea turtles, but we also do a lot of penguin uh, conservation oh, work. Wow. Reducing our single-use plastic consumption and pollution. Very so good. you mentioned earlier how difficult it is in a big business to not sell things. Well, we have partners and we just switched partners purposely to uh, reduce that impact. SSA is our food services company that comes in and they're well known for their environmental practices, which is why we brought them in specifically. Yes, you pick them because of their, of their skills. Exactly. Oh, and the same great. thing with our gift shop, Event Network. They, they're amazing impacts that they're doing with their packaging. So, so that, that is such a great thing to be able to promote, just like what Kenny was saying. I mean, if it was, you're talking about it, then everybody's going to go, well, that's different exactly. than what I I thought so now I'm gonna you know do mm -hmm. that instead exactly That's wonderful and we had we do have a caller I, I want yes, to try to get her so um forever but first I want to just uh, read this email because okay. they sent solvent green and that's what I pronounced but it was an autocorrect and then I got lots of messages saying that the <laughs> movie is called soylent green right. is people all right so we made that correction and now we have <laughs> Kathy from Lakeland, Thank and she also wants to talk about plastic bottles. Hi, Kathy. <laughs> Thanks, Kathy, for calling in. Kathy, can yeah, you hear us? Uh, my name's Kathy, and my uh, statement is twofold. One is the problem with sustainability and recycling is this country is not educated enough to recycle properly. If you will look at the recycle cans in your neighborhood, you will see loads and loads of trash inside. They don't know what is to be recycled. We need to be educated better. There need to be more programs in the schools to teach the young people to go home and show their families. Secondly, about the plastic bottle thing, I think that uh, major corporations who are making millions and millions of profit off these water bottles should be required by law to buy them all back oh. and use some of their profit money to um, rehabilitate the bottles in whatever way they choose to make a park bent or to make a brand new bottle. There are several ways to um, deal with these problems and I think that uh, new ideas need to come up. It doesn't have to do with, um, you know, the homeless people picking up a bottle for 50 cents. That's not going to happen. No, it's not. So there's new ideas, 
and there's new ways that we need to look at the way we're doing things. Thank and you. I think for one, big corporations should be responsible for what they're putting out. Yes. I agree with I you a thousand percent. Thank you for calling in. Really appreciate it. Thank now, you, Kathy. We need to repeat this uh, because for Dr. Debbie because Dr. Debbie could not hear the phone call. <laughs> so basically, uh, this woman brought up a couple of really great points. She was talking about uh, with the sustainability and recycle that we don't recycle properly, which is absolutely the truth. I, every single recycling bin in my neighborhood is wrong, and I tell my neighbors, but they don't seem to listen very much. And uh, but they don't. And so what happens? happens is the actual uh, guy down the road uh, who picks it up knows that they're polluted and they just take it and burn it. Now, uh, Debbie, we had the Tampa recycling people on right. at least once, and that was a very popular show because people just don't know what can go in the recycling bin. I was bin. wrong about something myself, which was very surprising to me. So it was Ka the milk cartons. So Kathy on the phone, uh, Debbie was saying that those companies should... The corporations. The corporations should pay they should have to be able to buy back those bottles and then recycle. So, or, or, have, you, or come up with new ideas yeah. on how to create some systems that are better, but not to continue on to create new ideas and not continue and allowed to be continuing on. So, Debbie, we have an email from Jeff in Tampa. He says, great show today, as always. Is there oh, nice. anything we can do to challenge the policy of multinational water corporations such as Nestle, which is literally draining the Florida aquifer, on the site of a former Zuffer Hills water company. Mm -hmm. This company extracts 2 million gallons per day and pays a, pet, a pittance of local fees. It's a tiny what amount. can be done given the current state government? <laughs> so <laughs> well, I can solve that problem in about oh, one minute. Perfect, okay. Debbie. That's why, that's why you have a doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't solve that problem. You can't. We, were, we thought you said you can, and we're like, I oh, did. I was being a was little sarcastic. Sarcastic. Oh, man, I was on the edge of my seat. Saying, oh, my God, we have the right person on today. <laughs> um, but, but I do think we can solve it. I well, think, yeah. you know, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Yes, there are businesses, but it goes back to the beginning. We are consumers. So what's human induced can be human solved. And I think innovation is going to be one of those big areas that's critically important. We have to evolve um, and we have to find new ways to deal with things. Um, for companies that are producing products um, that require those natural resources, and there are lots of companies that require those natural resources at, a, at an alarming rate when you look at the statistics, um, again, where, where's the need for that coming from? Where are the consumers for that? Um, right. So how do we look at it? If supply and demand. If there is no demand, there will be no supply for that. That is correct. That's why I always th thought that if we just stopped using plastic, they would stop making it, you know, and, and that's, I, I still believe that, uh, but I still see people go to the grocery store and without their bags. And I don't even, I don't, or uh, even a friend of mine, uh, she, she got some groceries for me because my vehicle was in the shop and she brought two apples in a separate plastic bag inside of another bag. Mm -hmm. She did bring her cloth bag, but she had the plastic with the two apples and I'm like, oh <laughs> so, Debbie, we got a couple more emails for you. Somebody went to New Orleans and they realized New that, Orleans. that the <laughs> entire earth, 
<laughs> was covered with blue fragments of plastic strips. Turns out, interestingly, that it's the FEMA roof tarps from post-storm roof oh, coverage. Wow. So polytarps are made from woven uh, polythene that's coated with polythene laminate, and then the vinyl tarps disintegrate. So oh this gosh. person says, please tell FEMA to change materials. The tarp industry is issuing really awful options. And wow. You know, that's good to say. And then somebody else says that tires are fully recyclable even if they're 80 years old without adding any new products, yet there are only four facilities in Florida that do that. Even with the wire tread inside of them? I don't know about that. They used to chip them up, which is a terrible system. They made them uh, like rubber mulch yeah. for people. Oh, my God, that's the worst. So, Debbie, many people feel like their individual actions amount to an insignificant drop in the big ocean of environmental issues we face. So what do you think about that mindset? Well, I think each of those examples that were just sent in to you from emails are some of those examples, right? We could come up with a million examples of things that are harmful and why can't we do things better? Mm -hmm. So I go back to what I was saying before, human induced equals human solved and we hold the solutions. And I think innovation is a part of that. Um, and I think collaborative conservation is the key phrase. We have to think together in a different way. And I think, you know, corporations can make a difference by elevating their practices. Um, nonprofit organizations like the Florida Aquarium can do a lot of great things internally. We can all, all corporations can do their better sustainable practices, but humans individually can do the same thing. And it takes all of us to do that. Um, and that's the only way we're going to solve this. We have to realize that connectedness, which is what we started with, right? That we're all connected together with nature. And if nature is off balance, then we as a race, as a species, as one species on this planet is off balance too. And yeah. we have to find a way to balance it back. And so I think one, let's, let's take the straw example. People know to refuse the straw. Now we've talked about plastic bottles. Let's go to the next step, right? Um, they make lots of these new silicone collapsible containers that are reusable. Forget the straw. Don't take the straw at the restaurant, but put in your purse or put in your glove compartment one of those collapsible silicone containers. And every time you go out to a restaurant to eat with your leftovers, don't take the styrofoam packaging. Don't take the plastic packaging that you're going to throw away when you get home. Pull out your silicone container, put your leftovers in there, and I guarantee you that everybody in that restaurant is going to look at you and go, oh my God, that's a fabulous idea because mm -hmm. I do it all the time. And people don't even think about it. It's going to take a different mindset, right? So what I would challenge everybody is do what you can. Look at what's in in your life and what you can do. Changing a regular old light bulb um, with LEDs will reduce 150 pounds of carbon dioxide a year. Just one. So do something. You know, start somewhere and then continue to go forward. And as you do those things, and as you talk about those things and you make a statement by which companies you choose to use and don't choose to use um, to your family and to your circle of influence, those people around you, those people will start to pay attention and start changing too. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that amount of impact can be underestimated. I think that's really critically important. Yeah, you know, it's funny because what you were talking about, that's a great idea. I don't have one of those collapsible pieces. I think I'll be getting one, but mm -hmm. I've been carrying... I've been carrying um, um, 
spoon, fork, knife in my vehicle forever and cloth napkin. Yeah. And so when, you know, I go get and get something from anywhere, I always say no. If I can give them a cup, then I'll, they'll do that. And then uh, no lid, no straw, no napkin, mm-hmm. no cover, mm-hmm. no uh, anything. No T-shirt. <laughs> right, I just wear a belt. <laughs> but if you if, if you do that, it actually what happens? Not only are you doing it for you, you the the action of that, like you said, the other people in the room people didn't even know that was an option. That's right, and they mm-hmm. go, "Oh my God, that's so hard!" And I went, "It's not hard at all. It exactly. just stays in my vehicle. It's not a thing." Exactly. So it's collaborative conservation has a compounding impact. It does it compounds the. It, going down the road and you know so sustainable practices to me equals a sustainable us and together I'll use the corny aquarium statement but it's true we can make an ocean of difference we really can one drop at a time so Debbie you're of course with the Florida Aquarium so I want to talk about animals in just a minute but I want to remind listeners that this is the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5 today we are interviewing the Senior Vice President of Conservation of the Florida Aquarium, Dr. Debbie Luke. To be part of the conversation, you can email us at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on air. So Debbie, prior to your current role, you served as the Senior Vice President of Conservation and Science at the Association of Zoos and Aquariums for nearly a decade. And one of your significant accomplishments while at AZA was the successful launch of the field conservation programs that supported SAFE, which stands for Saving Animals from Extinction. Oh, that's great. So can you tell us a little bit about that program? Yeah, you can can actually go online and, and look it up. It's expanded quite a bit, um, but when I uh, was involved in initiating that program, um, AZA accredits zoos and aquariums, and lots of zoos and aquariums wanted to compound their impact for conservation of species. And so 10 species were selected, and we tried to sort them, you know, from critters that fly or swim or whatever. And it was a different approach. It was taking that collaborative approach of looking at, I'll use African penguin as one example, because that's one of the species we have here at the Florida Aquarium and we're very involved in still, is to not reinvent the wheel, but to be able to enable um, everybody who's been involved in African penguin conservation to come together in one workshop, um, which was you know, paid for and everybody was brought in for that and to sit together for several days and come up with a plan where everyone was coordinating with each other and collaborating to enhance each other's impact. And by working together, you can make a much bigger difference than by working in silos. And I think, you know, in the past, conservation has somewhat been a siloed approach. You have organizations and um, that are working in their own little area and not necessarily talking to each other. And by bringing everybody together like that, all of a sudden now you can see that compounding impact. Um, and so that's what the program was designed to do and uh, to raise funding and so forth that would supplement for everybody for that species. There's another zoological organization in Florida and they do bird shows and they travel around the country And I remember they were at the Texas State Fair for the past like 30 years. Wow. And they would have people come up to the stage at the end and hand like a crow or or a type of bird 
a dollar bill or different dollar, you know, bills, and then the bird would put it in a box. And he would know which one goes where. <laughs> no, they would put it all in the same box. Uh-huh. But the well, fun, they are smart. They are, they are very smart. Would be able to discern and that. Um, the, it would, like watching the footage would give you goosebumps because they say they raised over $1 million with just people handing like dollar oh. bills. And then all of that money went to buy uh, like camera traps, to like prevent poaching mm-hmm. in Africa or India. And then the show ends with like they showed a rhino and like its mom and its baby for the first time, like a hairy rhino. And, you know, it's only like 10 of them left in the world. And Sumatran. then the yeah. rhino, yes, thank you, Sumatran yeah. rhino. <laughs> and then the rhino charged at the camera and destroyed it. <laughs> and then they go, and then they go, well, we're going to need some more money. <laughs> But it's like amazing that a tiny little bird show could raise a million dollars. And that's exactly that's the whole point. I mean, it's like everybody thinks that they are so small and so little that they can't make a difference. But every single person can make a difference. I mean, it's amazing what what you can do just by doing. You know, doing on your own uh, and the the effect that it has on others. It's just huge. It's huge. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Everybody I know gets the reusable bottles now because <laughs> because of me. <laughs> Whatever that guilt did, I'll take mm-hmm. it. <laughs> we actually pass them out to our staff when they yeah. start part of their onboarding is they get a reusable bottle. We're trying to get a reusable, one of those collapsible silicone lunch containers. We're trying to do that here. We're looking for that. I might maybe need to contact you and find out your source. <laughs> I did an event at the Florida Aquarium a couple of weeks ago, and I met Dr. Heather Judkins, and she mm-hmm. studies cephalopods like squid and octopus oh, right. and cuttlefish. Right. And then I was somewhere, at, and I uh, saw there was like a bunch of USF professors and some other maybe researchers from around the world. They were working on sea corals, and then the Florida Aquarium also had like. Their sea corals situation. Yeah, but they were all working together in like this collaborative method. So, uh, Debbie, can you talk maybe a little bit about some future exhibits that are going to happen at the aquarium or some of your favorite conservation, sustainable themed uh, exhibits? Yeah, we can. We have a lot of exciting things coming up. Uh, we're we're in the middle of. You have uh, four minutes <laughs> until the end of the show. We have, uh, That's a lot to say in a short time. <laughs> <laughs> we have a thirty-five million dollar capital campaign going on, where we are going to be expanding um, a really cool exhibit area upstairs. It was our old ballroom, and we're now making it into in a, a changing exhibit every three to four years or so. It will change, and the first. Um, round is actually under construction. It's going to be a really, really cool exhibits about adaptations um, and having species and how they adapt to their environments. But it also... You know, relates to us and adaptations yeah, too. So some very, very cool things that you're going to be see coming there uh, at this fall, end of the summer, fall, sometime in there. Uh, and then next year, we are um, we're at the same time building a two-story uh, puffin exhibit oh, in our so main adorable. entry. Um, which has some amazing conservation messaging that goes with that. And then the following year, we will be uh, building our new sea lion exhibit habitat and expanding our African penguin um, exhibit uh, for conservation out there. So we've got a lot going on. 
I think that's wonderful that you're now, uh, they've realized that having a ballroom is a, a non-usable <laughs> product for very often. You know, I know a lot of events have been there and I've actually been to a few, but uh, it's, not, it's not really sustainable for real. And so, it, you know, you've had, you have to air condition it and all these mm-hmm. things all the time. So dancers there every week. Every week. That's right. <laughs> that costs a lot of money. <laughs> so it's wonderful that you're actually bringing it into something that's going to be workable and usable and educational. You mm-hmm. know? So that's, exactly. that's great. That's great. Yeah, well, we reach about a million visitors a year. So we have a lot that we can share with them. And yeah. that's, that's was, what we should be doing. I was kind of wanting to know how many people you visit because the reason why I invited you was because you're this cultural institution in Tampa and people, you know... They respond to that. Well, they either visit you or they went to your facility 30 years ago when you first opened uh-huh. and then they said, oh, I've seen it. Or, oh, you know, right. They're, they're Do you conf- wanted to reintroduce it? They're confused by... Right. Maybe zoos from 200 years ago right. compared yeah. to today where they're actually putting resources back into the wild counterparts. Right, and reteaching and, people And education, too. Yeah. yes. Because the, if we didn't know what to do uh, without your help, that's for sure. That's well, for sure. it's funny because we use uh, a phrase and it's, it, it's real. It's absolutely 100% real is that we are a conservation-based organization. Yes. We say that usually before we even say the aquarium, the, tip, the Florida Aquarium, yeah. because that is what we are based on. And it starts um, at our main campus here in Tampa with everything we do to connect people to nature in areas that they would not otherwise have the ability to see or care for. And then it, you know, it continues in our other campus where we're doing all of our amazing coral research and back into restoration practices with all of our partners, as you mentioned, Kenny. So, as well as sea turtles and other things there. So, it, we really are a conservation-based organization, and we've evolved to that. And I think it's really amazing how we can connect with our visitors and help them feel empowered to take conservation actions themselves. And I just want to add that I remember I heard Debbie Stone talk a few years ago, who's in charge of education, and she was mentioning that as a Florida Institute, you are, you know, really focused on climate change, but because you're on the water, you're even more invested in climate change mitigation because you're on waterfront property. Yeah, the aquarium would be underwater, which, yeah. Yeah. We'll have to mm-hmm. have different outfits to wear. Well, so <laughs> you, back you to no t shirts. That's yeah. right. <laughs> no t shirts or wetsuits. All right. So thank you so much, Dr. Yeah, Debbie Luke, for great. speaking with us. Thank you. We really appreciate it. I really want to say one more thing, though. Uh, we would like to announce about the Growing Communities Workshop coming into Oldsmar March 16th and 17th by the American Community Garden Association. And I'll put the link on our webpage. Uh, and it's a small registration fee. And this weekend, is the Lou Gardens plant sale, which is about it's a big deal, seven times y'all. bigger than our local. And Lou plant. Gardens is fabulous if you've never been in Orlando. It's in Orlando, and I'll be there and for the first time, so I'm excited. Yes, it'll make be great. sure to tune in next Monday morning at eleven for the next Sustainable Living Show. We will have the sustainability team of Brevard Zoo on. Follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living, WMNF, to stay in the loop. And I have the Lou Gardens event and a couple other events on our Facebook page. Yeah, y'all can see that there. 
And uh, remember just to go to Listen On Demand at WMNF to hear our past shows. I am Kenny Coogan. And I am Annie Ellis. Remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. And you are listening to WMNF Tampa. Bye-bye. Bye.